0: For a few moments this morning, I want to direct you to the Word of the Lord. I feel a burning in my heart today, and I have been stirred this week by the Word of the Lord. I want to take you to the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And there is a particular statement that is made in these passages of Scripture that has resonated in my heart and it has stirred me. Verse number seven of Revelation 2 said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Semicolon here's what the spirit saith to him that overcometh to him that overcometh will i give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god verse number 11 he repeats that statement he that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. semicolon. He that overcometh. And then you go down to verse number 17. And he repeats again. He that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. semicolon. To him that overcometh. And then you go down to verse number 20. What is my next verse? 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. If you go into chapter 3, you will find that again, in verse number 5, he that hath an ear, The same shall be clothed, or he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. And so on, it continues. To every church, he speaks a message. To he that overcome. To he that overcomes. For a short time this morning, I want to speak to you from this subject. What is defining my life and your life? Amen. God bless you in the reading of the word. I am tremendously troubled and I am deeply distressed by what is happening to us Today I realize that we are living in a chaotic time where there is a manic mood that is covering our land. There is no reasoning with this spirit. There is no understanding of their logic. There is an element of confusion that engulfs our world. It is twisted It is convoluted. It is chaotic confusion. There's a groundswell of changing values that are sweeping across our land. This rabid changing of values greatly disturbs me. There is a blind rage of hatred that is fueling this chaos as we try to rewrite our history. If you think that we are simply facing a health crisis or perhaps an economic or social issue, you are greatly mistaken. For I believe that we are in a spiritual battle today against the powers of darkness and Satan himself. The very spirit of Antichrist has without doubt gained a foothold in this chaos that will not relinquish its hold until God pours out His wrath upon it. The question is, how will we, as Christians, as children of God, how will we contend with these changing values? How will we address these shifting standards that our present culture is trying to force upon us. I fear that many are becoming desensitized to all of it because we hear it and we see it all around us. And everyday issues that are considered essential or important or necessary are being decided whether we consciously do it or unconsciously do it, there is a new order of the day. An order that sees no need for God. And their inclusion in that is exclusive. Unfortunately, there are many so-called children of God that are letting the world decide what is essential and non-essential in their life. We have been told that work is essential, and going to the grocery store is essential, and little league is essential, but for many church is not essential any longer. As a child of God, it is important, it is critical that you and I adhere to and remain committed to the values and the convictions of the Word of God. Not the changing values that the world is pushing. Not the agenda of this hour. But the values given in the Word of God must be the things that guide and govern my life. It is not always in the day in which we live about right and wrong any longer. Nor is it about evil or good. But it is far more about what is self-pleasing, self-serving, and self-seeking. And as we move through these troubled times, I believe that there should be a distinguishing difference between a true believer and those that are only make-believe. I wonder today what will be said of this day. More importantly what will be said of us. I wonder how it will be used and viewed in the lens of history. And the question that has troubled my mind and hounded my thoughts all week is simply this. In these troubled times what is defining me who am I better yet what is defining my life what am I allowing not only to define my life but to shape my life what follows these two words is crucial in the answer I am blank I am this, I am that. It is what we call ourselves or we allow life to put its label on us that so often affects our life. What defines me determines how far I go, how much I can grow, how far I will reach. It sets boundaries in my life beyond which I Am unwilling to cross. And so many things in life have a way of defining us. What's happened to us? What didn't happen to us? The things that we're going through. The trials that we're suffering. The temptations that we're encountering. All of this stuff that's going on around us. What's been done? What's not been done? Our disability. Our illness. Our issues. But are these really who we are? Or are they just something that you and I are going through? For many people, this present moment is being defined by something called COVID-19. And under its shadow, many sinister things have been been done and i am not a conspiracy theorist but i am here to tell you there's a whole lot more going on this morning than just a health crisis are these merely a part of our journey and our experience and do they not really demonstrate who we are not just what's going on it is who we are that really matters. And what we are allowing to define us, the circumstances of life that we are forced to face, what somebody has said about us or what we've accomplished or fail to accomplish or what we possess or we don't possess where you live or where you cannot live those are not really the critical issues the greater question is is this who I am or is this simply something that I am going through it is who I am that matters and I want to make sure that I am not allowing my present circumstances to To define who I am as a child of God. There are seven churches that are addressed in Revelation 2 and 3. And if you are a person of end time prophecy, you will have your views of what those churches represent. There are many who believe they are representative of church ages. But I'm not here to argue with you or debate with you about what those churches represented. The fact is, they were real churches that existed when John wrote this letter. He wrote this book of Revelation. And each of them faced issues that threatened who they were as Christians. They lived in hostile environments. They were confronted on a daily basis by an assault of various things. Each of them were addressed according to the issues they faced. They were different. Their cultures were perhaps vitally different. And yet all of them are identified by one thing. Ephesus was the greatest city of Asia. It was the market basket of Asia. It was the gateway to Asia. It had one of the greatest harbors in that time in all of the world. All roads seemed To lead to Ephesus There was wealth there It was called the Vanity Fair Of the ancient world filled with paganism, immorality and evil. And it was also the epicenter of the greatest apostolic revival of the New Testament church. Paul spent more time in Ephesus than he did anywhere else in that new world. But Ephesus is no more. It's been wiped off the map virtually. It is little more than a shadow of its former. splendor. It is now six miles from the sea. No longer the harbor that it was. And it is all that because it became the victim of silt that drifted down the river that fed the city and over time it clogged up the harbor they couldn't keep it out they couldn't fight the battle they stopped fighting the battle and it lost the battle of the gradual they had heart issues they had left their first love Smyrna was considered the loveliest city of Asia it was called the ornament of Asia the crown and flower of Asia it was a planned city magnificently situated, commanding trade of the rich valley of Hermas. Great trading center, a safe harbor, but it was full of pride. It was filled with affluence and so much political wrangling. And they struggled with fear, a cowering down before the face of what they were opposed by. Pergamum was a city with culture, an epicenter of revival in Asia. It had the first temple dedicated to Caesar. It was the place where worship of man seemed to be the focus. And the scripture said it was Satan's seat. He had found a lodging place there. Deceit slipped in at every corner. They fought compromise that was pushed on them by the culture in which they lived. The Nicolaitans slipped into the church and they taught that if you can't beat them, join them. And so they diluted the doctrine and they took the teeth out of the truth that God had put in the New Testament church and they made it an inclusive teaching and they compromised their principles Thyatira, though it was the smallest city, it was a connecting city, it was in a valley in a military town it was filled with guilds and trade unions and as noted in that time idolatry and immorality were rampant there and the New Testament church had to deal with that, but even more than that, the scripture said they dealt with the Jezebel spirit it was the end of an evil unlike any other it had crowned man and it had pushed christ out the back door it was that spirit that toys with evil that entertains itself with evil that condones the culture in which it lives and it tolerates the vile and the ugly it brought new ways of doing church into the church they became more accommodating to the world they made the world feel less conspicuous everybody dressed down everybody dumbed church down entertainment was replacing the anointing and programs replaced the power and the demonstration of the spirit they had love they had had lots of love but they had no boundaries. It was Sardis that was at the crossroads of five main roads. It was a center for trade and it was high on a plain. Evidently once a great city but now it was only a shadow of what it had been and the church reflected that same spirit. The Bible said you have a name but you're dead. It indicated that they were no longer what they once said they were. They were living in the past. They had no present glory. They had no present anointing. They had no present unction of the Holy Ghost. They had learned to live on their reputation. They had learned to put a form out, but there was no force behind what they said. They had a reputation, but there was no reality. They were comfortable with their deadness. They had gone to sleep and nobody seemed to care they were respectable but they were dead when you lose power you have to resort to human ingenuity and that's exactly what they did they become good at promoting man but bad at promoting God and then Philadelphia situated in a strategic place on the main route from Rome to the east it was a gateway it was a city of the diffusion of the Greek culture it was called little Athens there were many temples there it was situated in such a desirable place the problem was though there was underneath the surface issue that could not be seen because they had built the city on a geographical fault line and there was continual rumbling and there was continual shaking in the city. They had a great opportunity though. The Bible said God gave them an open door. The question was did they know what to do with that open door? And they struggled with their own weakness. It's not the size of the church that really matters but The faith that's in the church that makes the difference. And they had to understand that. False as it may seem. The flesh is not a place for me to stand. I am not one to be able to do it in myself. They faced opposition of the Jews. It was symbolic of what we deal with in our own flesh. There is a carnality. There is a pseudo-Christianity that wants to invade the church and make you think that that is spirituality. I'm here to tell you today, that is not what God intended. And then there was Laodicea. It was known for its wealth and its manufacturing, its hot spring. It was basically a resort city, great financial place, great banking center. It was a medical center, a clothing center. And as you can imagine, every kind of vice and evil that was known to man was found there. And the church became influenced by that culture of well, and they became blind and they were naked and they were proud and didn't know it. They lost their values. They lost their vigor. They lost their vision. They became complacent and comfortable, wrapped up in themselves, thinking we have much good. We are rich and increased with good. But they were really empty, could not see the reality of who they were, but the fact was that no No matter what they faced, what church it was, Philadelphia or Laodicea or Sardis or Thyatira or Ephesus, no matter what they faced... What kind of social setting they existed in. What they were challenged by. What they battled on a daily basis. There was one thing that God used to define who his people were. And that one common thread of identity was this. To him that overcometh. Overcoming is an end time word. It carries the key description of what is needed for you and I to finish strong the Greek word overcomer comes from the root word Nikeo which is where we get the word Nike from and it means to conquer to prevail to gain the victory it means to carry off the victory to get the battle better of a struggle to prevail over a disability or a debilitating situation it connotates a sustained and difficult struggle against a resistance until it is fully conquered. And that was how God identified his church, not by their culture, not by what they fought, not by what they battled, not by what they faced, but by who they were inside. They were overcomers. They looked in the eyes of evil and said, you're not coming in my house. They looked in the eyes of wickedness and said, you will not have my family they looked in the face of every kind of sin imaginable and they said no that's not what's going to define me what will define me is that i am an overcomer i'm gonna face it down i'm gonna knock it down i'm gonna fight it off i'm gonna resist it until the end i am an overcomer The word implies that there will be a battle. And it assumes that there will be a struggle. It's the wall that you and I run up against on our way to victory. And we don't need to be discouraged by it. We need to be reminded today that this world that we live in is not a playground, but a battleground. And each church was given a promise. He that overcometh. They are described the blessedness of the overcomer. They'll eat of the tree of life. They'll be unharmed by death. They'll eat the hidden manna and be given a new name. They'll be given authority over the nations. They'll be clothed in white. They'll be made a permanent pillar in the house of God. They will sit with Him on His throne. Overcomer. That's what needs to define me today. Not COVID-19. Not same chaotic, cultural, up- that's going on around me but I am a child of God I am an overcomer I resist the power of hell I resist the slide I resist the silt that tries to filter into my life I will endure the trial I will face my trouble but I'm going to cling to Him I'm going to hold on to Him no matter what happens and no matter what the cost may be They fought back the darkness that tried to engulf them. They resisted the temptation of the times that called them to compromise and be content and become comfortable. And let the influence just be what it is. Regardless of the resistance that they encountered, they held fast to their faith. That's what I want defining me in this hour is my faith faith i want my confidence in god to be what shapes my life i want that to be what molds the decision that i make in this hour they did not turn away when things got difficult they depended on god for their direction and for their purpose and for their strength My question to you this morning, Greater Life Church, and whoever may be listening, are you an overcomer, or are you being overcome? We are being challenged in this present hour. There is no doubt about it. And what we say we believe is being challenged every day that we live. But what will define us? No one said it would be easy. But let me tell you what I want defining my life. I want my resilience to define me. I want my perseverance to define me. I want my determination to define me. I want my heart for God to define me. I want my love for Him to define me. I want it to shape the decisions that I make in my life. I feel a passion in my heart this morning. I have come today to challenge the complacency that I sense slipping in among us even now. Some of us have gotten too comfortable where we are right now. And you don't care if you ever come back to church. I challenge that spirit this morning. I speak against that complacency right now. I am here to tell you that you are not blessed, but you are cursed when you are not emptied from vessel to vessel. That Passivity has got to go. Something's got to stir us up in this hour and make us realize this is the end time. And if there's ever an hour we need to be ready, we better be ready right now. Hallelujah! I come against the satisfied living. I come against the neutrality that is only a front for people secretly embracing evil. I come against the silence that has all of a sudden developed in our life. That has become consent. You were very quick to speak out about some issues. But there are growing issues that we have become silent over and I'm here to tell you right is right and wrong is wrong and there are not going to be any compromising spirits that are allowed into my life we have grown stagnant we have allowed ourselves to be duped in this hour in believing all the nonsense that we're hearing over the news media and we're being told that there's nothing you can do but embrace it I'm telling you I'm not embracing it I resist it. I will not be identified by that. I will not be identified by those things. I will come against it. I come today to wake somebody up. God, I wish I could shake you right now. I wish I could sound an alarm in your house right now that would cause you to jump out of your chair and tell you this is a late hour. This is an hour when we better be awake I'm blowing the trumpet. We've been lulled to sleep. We've been made to think. We've got it. We still got our job. We got Payroll coming in. We got checks coming in. We don't have to work. I've got news for you. That laziness needs to be kicked out the back door. We need to get back to doing what we're supposed to do. We are called to be workers. We are not called to be freeloaders. We need to get up off of our lazy behind and get back into the workforce and do what we ought to be doing in this hour. Contributing to our world. Not complaining about it. You need a present day testimony. And the only way you're going to get one is to have to go through. You see the first four letters of testimony is T-E-S-T. You have to go through a test before you can have a testimony. But there are far too many of us that are complacent talking about what it used to be, where we were, what we had, and we have no fresh anointing upon our life. If there is anything that needs to happen today, you need to lay hands on your own head this morning, and you need to pray, God, send a fresh anointing to my life, send a fresh unction into my heart, anoint my mind, and turn my heart back toward you. In the name of Jesus. If all that I can do is tell about what happened, I need a fresh encounter with God. There are some of you that have lost your spiritual fight. You have lost your spiritual fight. You have just given in to the culture. You've said it. Well, I can't beat them, so I'm just going to join them. I am so thankful. That there was one identifying thread that could be traced throughout that whole Old Testament and that whole New Testament. That those that identified with God and more importantly those God identified with were over. they were overcomers you and I need that kind of mark upon our lives today we need that kind of mindset we must refuse to quit we must refuse to give up we must refuse to be influenced I am not buying into this lie that is being perpetrated I refuse to give in what are you going to do about the challenges that are before you this morning that challenge your spiritual life right now. Are you going to give in? Are you going to just let it be? are you going to get up and fight back? Amen. I am not allowing the culture that I live in right now to define me. I am not going to let COVID-19 define me. I'm not going to let this define our church. I don't understand God's ways, but I know this. God can do just as great a work right now over these airways as He could do if you were sitting on these pews. Now, that's no replacement for you sitting here. But I'm just here to tell you that right now, under these conditions, God is not limited by time or space. If you need a healing, if you need a touch, all you need to do is reach out to Him right now and cry out to Him and ask Him and He will do great things in your life today. Amen. I want to be known as an overcomer, a believer, someone who faced the fire but was not afraid. Someone who was not afraid of the struggle, did not give in to defeat, did not give in to passivity, did not give in to embracing embracing this culture of uncleanness. God help me today to never, never, never give up. And I come to the close of my message today. If there's anything that needs to define you and I in this hour. It's gotta be that one word. Overcomer. I am an overcomer. I'm gonna fight. I'm going to kick, I'm going to push, I'm going to resist, I'm not going to sleep, I'm not getting comfortable, I'm not going to let Laodicea deceive me, I am not going to be blind at another moment by my own, my own nakedness. I need You, God, today. We need a visitation of the Holy Ghost in our homes right now, God. We need the power of Your presence to move in right now. I don't like it, Lord. I don't like the the distance, but distance has never been an issue with You. It's never been a problem. You are not limited by time and space like we are. But right there, right now, Step into that living room and shake something in that mother, shake something in that father right now that has allowed themselves to believe the lie, to believe all of this nonsense that's being perpetrated. God have mercy. Help us today, Lord. Help us to understand that your values are the things that should govern my life. They are the things that could shape who I am, what I am. For they will, in doing that, open a door of opportunity in the midst of a most hostile environment for me to be a light and to shine. The great thing about all of this is that in every city that was mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3, no matter how wicked, no matter how vile, no matter the cultural issues that they struggle with, there was a remnant of people that were known as victorious, triumphant. They were overcomers. I want that to be what identifies Greater Life Church. When I reflect back over the last five years, six years of our church, I don't know of any church that could have gone through what we've gone through and still be the strong church that we are today. And I'm not bragging about me. I'm bragging about you. The only word that I've been able to come up with that adequately describes the church that we are a part of is resilient. Resilient. Reminds me of that little toy that we used to have when I was a kid. It had a weight in the bottom of it. It was an inflatable punching bag. It didn't matter how hard you hit it. You could knock it all the way until it kissed the earth. But it bounced right back. It came right back up. Kick it. Push it. Hit it. Slam it. It popped back up. That's what I want to be. I want to be that spirit that just keeps coming back. The devil knocks you down six times. You get up seven. The devil doesn't know what to do with somebody that keeps getting up. Amen. That's why he doesn't know how to stop this church. Because we keep getting up. Why? Because we're overcomers. We're not defined by what's happened to us. We're not defined by what didn't happen to us. We're not defined by what we possess or what we don't possess, what we drive or what we don't drive. We're defined by who He says we are. We are His children. We are bought with His blood. We're called by His name. We're His. Hallelujah. God, I pray Your blessings upon every family. I pray Your anointing right now. That unction would flow out of this building into every heart into every spirit every family I pray right now that they would take the hand of their loved ones their children gather them around right now and pray over them God we're battling something we're fighting something today it's wicked it's vile it's deceitful it is so deceitful it is so so deceitful It parades itself as sheep, but in reality, underneath it, it's a wolf. It comes across as being good, productive, progressive. The reality is, it is sickness, it is evil, it is watering down and diluting and slowly filling our life with the silt we got to keep it out we cannot lose that battle like Ephesus did Ephesus at some point or other just quit fighting they quit working they quit resisting and over time it just kept coming every day came a little further and it kept started inching that harbor further and further away. Until now, it is six miles, six long miles. God, help us today. Lord, I want you to touch us and help us. I want you to be with us. I want your anointing. I want your blessings. Don't ever let us let go, Lord. Don't ever let us forget what we have hold of keep us in your perfect love let the power of your presence fill our lives all this week long driving out the fear driving out the doubt driving out the anxiety making no room for anything but the peace and the love and the presence of God in Jesus name amen we love you today. Again, thank you, praise team, for your great praise and worship. Greater Life Church, we'll look forward to seeing you Wednesday again online. And we will let you know then what our plans are for the weekend. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Love all of you more than words can say. Have a great afternoon. In Jesus' name.